Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Creative Control with Beesh Brad McInerney is a founding member of the Kazoo Concert Series in Guelph, which is celebrating its 8th anniversary with two shows in town this week. On Thursday, June 5th, the Salt Lake Kids are reuniting to play the Jimmy Jazz with Sackville's Kappa Chow, while on Friday, June 6th, Esther Gray of my, this is me, me Vish talking right now, My Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet tribute band, which is called From a Shadowy Planet. We're also playing this show. It's our first ever show, really. We did an in-store. Enough about me. It's fun. It's just a tribute band. What are you going to do? It's just fun. It's fun. Anyway, those are Esther Gray, From a Shadowy Planet, and Start Something. And a surprise superstar special guest will be playing a show at the James Gordon Outreach Headquarters, located at 32 Essex Street in Guelph. Again, So Thursday, June 5th at the Jimmy Jazz, Friday, June 6th at this James Gordon Outreach HQ on Essex Street, 32 Essex Street. You can actually learn more about all of these things at kazookazoo.ca or ticketbreak.com. Now, the other day, Brad, his kazoo colleague, Mike Dean, and myself, we all met at Mike's house in Guelph to discuss lots of things, and you're going to hear those things on the show. So... And you're going to hear a song by from Mike's band. Mike is in the band Start Something. And uh, you're going to hear a, a song from Start Something on this show. And I hope you stick around right to the end. That's all I'll say. Enjoy. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario. A proud, independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerotti, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza. The pizza, personally... I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio. Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph. 
and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. So I guess first of all, the thing to say to you in particular, Brad, mm-hmm. happy anniversary! Thank you. So this is you were just saying this is the to the day the kazoo anniversary. Yeah, eight years to the day, June second, two thousand and six. Wow. So it's coincidence, but good coincidence. Yeah. No, that's yeah. cool. Do you remember what the first show was? Yeah, it was uh, Ninja High School um, with uh, Households and the Maynards uh, from Halifax, and it was. Um, Third floor Van Gogh's, which didn't last long as a home venue for Kazoo, but it was, it was I remember it being a pretty wild night, the mix of, uh, um, you know, club kids on the second floor and a DIY show series on the third floor. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, Mike, uh, you are, in, how new are you to this town? Uh, I moved here in September, 2012. Well, you've been here a couple of years. It yeah. seems weird that I only made your acquaintance recently. I feel bad. Is that my fault? Uh, that is your fault, but it's probably also, we can share the blame on that. I think I was kind of, uh, like I didn't really know anyone here for a while. So I was probably like going to a show every three months when it was something I really wanted to see, but I wasn't like kind of out and about meeting people or, uh, hanging out with uh, those that you might know. Okay. That's fair. All fair. Now we're in a very significant, well, it's a home. We're in a house. Mm-hmm. That is significant in the history of Guelph's music community. Now, can you, Mike, tell us something about this house and why we're here? Well, we're here because, well, my wife, Kathy, and I moved to Guelph from Edmonton. And one of the reasons we moved here was that, I mean, Edmonton's uh, wonderful and I love it. But the houses are pretty expensive and it's, I mean, it can be a kind of cold city and we don't really have any family out there. So we're like... Well, we'll move back east and we'll set up shop in southern Ontario and we moved to Guelph. And then after a while, we're like, oh, we like Guelph. We should get a house. So we're looking at houses and um, saw a bunch and we thought, oh, you know, they're okay. Kind of in our price range, we're okay, but we weren't crazy about them. And then uh, our realtor, Mike, was like, oh, you should check out this house. It's like the, the old Constantine's house. And immediately we're like, eh, I don't know if I really want to buy like some, you know, rock and roll house that, you know, has been a rental for so long. We looked at it and we're like, eh, no, it's not for us. And then we kept looking and then we saw some pictures of what the house was like when a family actually lived here. And we're like, oh, we can actually make that into a house. It's not going to be like some, you know, squat. So uh, then we ended up buying it. And I don't know if we really knew the significance of it at the time. Like Mike seemed to be pretty... Like he was like, oh, it's 106 Huron, but we weren't here during that time. But then when you say to somebody like, oh, I live at 106 Huron, they're like, whoa, I saw so many shows there. Like as soon as we said we bought a house and put a picture of it, people from like Orangeville and like all these people that I grew up with were like, oh, my band played there in 2002 or whatever. And then found out that I don't know how long the Constantines actually lived here, but for some amount of time. Yeah, it was a few years and they would put on lots of shows. And uh, I saw some in this living room that we're sitting in right now. Rockets Red Glare played here. And 
uh, I believe that Jeremy Strawn broke a bass string, which I thought was kind of astounding. You don't, you play bass, Brad. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> you break, it's, it's only good. happened like once or twice. It's not but. as common as a guitar string breaking. I didn't actually know you could break a bass string. <laughs> <laughs> They're breakable. They're all breakable. Yeah. Well, it's cool. This is cool. You've done wonderful things to this house. It doesn't seem squatty at all. <laughs> Thank you. That's actually what we we're going for. Make it not look like a squat. <laughs> it's really wonderful. Now, uh, Brad, did you ever attend shows here? No, that was... So, actually, I didn't attend a show here. Um, it, this was right towards the end of or start when I was just moving to Guelph. So, I was just in the university, first year university, right around that time or right around when this house was ending. So, it kind of crossed over with my time in a, in a really important way just because everybody was raving about those shows and they kind of became... Um, an influence on the house, the house shows that we started throwing in about 2005 um, that were what kind of led to Kazoo. So we, we, we were living in a house with a bunch of people who were making music, had a jam space in the basement, and we started doing shows in kind of a similar fashion. But, you know, the legend of these house shows and other, other great house shows in Guelph kind of informed that, basically. Now, where are you from? I'm from Hamilton originally. You're from so, Hamilton? Yeah. You yeah. often talk about moving to Hamilton. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> and, oh, I love that city. Is so. it? Are you reluctant to do the move? Not only you've established a lot of roots here, I guess, and friends, but are you reluctant to move back because it's where you're from? Uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, I love Hamilton because of its potential. It's it's a great city. There's a lot of great people doing great things in it. And uh, I've just always had a had a spot for Hamilton. I, I know a lot of people there. and uh, But I also love Guelph. It's kind of a conflicted, you know. They're kind of similar. I mean, they're pretty close by proximity-wise. Have you been to Hamilton? Have you spent any time in Hamilton? Um, I've spent minimal time in Hamilton. My dad is actually from Hamilton, so we'd kind of go there growing up. Uh, and I went there because we originally wanted to move to Hamilton and not Guelph because we're like, oh, Hamilton seems, you know, up and coming and houses are like dirt cheap. And then once we actually started looking for jobs in Hamilton, we're like, oh, yeah, there's a reason why houses are so cheap in Hamilton because it is like a harder place to live. Yeah, um, that's it. <laughs> but it's something that I feel like in five years, people are going to be like, why didn't I move to Hamilton? But who knows? Where, where are you from? I'm from Caledon Village. Oh, so you're from Ontario, you just happen to be living in Edmonton. Yeah, so I grew up in Caledon Village, then I went out to McGill for university, so I was in Montreal for six years, and that's where I met uh, my partner, Kathy, and she was doing her master's, or got into U of A to do her master's, so we moved out to Edmonton for five years, and then came back. Now, Brad, you, uh, I knew you first, uh, you mentioned the house shows that you would put on, and there was this collective that started, the Burnt Oak Collective. Yeah, so it's basically a, a record label um, that we were running out of the house. So um, different Guelph bands, kind of a bit of everything, um, ranging you know ranging from like Tamsin and Elliot, who at the time were like a fifteen-year-old punk kind of garage rock duo, to um, experimental folk music, to math rock, to some electronic stuff. So it was really just a collection, a scene that was happening in Guelph at the time, and it was our way of documenting it through you know, handmade DIY releases and doing these shows that kind of tied into it. And as that, as that sort of grew out, people were saying, well, why don't you guys, you know, start a show series or something like that, or do a zine or do any, but it didn't feel appropriate to do that through Burn Oak formally. We wanted to keep Kazoo separate from Burn Oak because they were happening concurrently. Um, Kazoo was more of a public, anybody can be involved in it kind of adventure, not that necessarily the show booking aspect of it, but the, the other initiatives like the zine, um, which we ran for, 
think three or four years. Um, but for us, Burn Oak was a, a smaller collection of people that we wanted to work in a more focused way. So mm -hmm. kind of kept them separate. But at the time, there were all three of those kind of projects running out of that that space. Okay, so were you? Did you start a thing? because you didn't feel like you had an entry point otherwise? Like, did you feel like you had to do this because you just didn't, ha as I say, you just didn't feel like you could do it through other means? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there were some things like, like my first experiences going to shows in Guelph were, were great, um, but they were often just at venues and, you know, there were, there were things happening here, but I didn't feel like I was part of a scene or involved in a scene. And there were similar musicians and artists in Guelph who didn't really weren't really affiliated with anything or didn't feel like they were part of something. And that's, that's where the Burn Oak house or the Grange house kind of grew out of was this kind of, you know, we're all here doing this stuff. Let's work together and share resources to make this stuff happen the way we want to. Yeah. I remember this is way before your time, Mike, but there used to be like a slightly adversarial relationship between Burnt Oak people <laughs> and like Evan Gordon's crew, like uh, Evan Gordon and Jordy Gordon are in the magic and, Anyway, uh, I remember it was very funny on some level, but yeah. did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was. It you was, were like writing, there were like songs being written <laughs> back and forth against each other. and It was kind of, you know, it was a classic rivalry. It was, it was, you know, hilarious. I think those guys took it a lot more seriously than we did. Like they, they one time they showed up with like screen printed balaclavas and like baseball bats and chains for like a Durberville's house show at our place. <laughs> and there was another time they, they came by and dropped off like a, I don't know, like a 250 pound like those amps with the rotating speaker inside of it which is completely useless just as a gift in the middle of our jam room like a good luck getting getting this out of the stairs <laughs> <laughs> and was this just like uh here's a bunch of editors tanners that came to guelph and they want to do their own show series and we're like born and bred guelph and how dare they that was exactly it <laughs> It was pretty amusing for me because I'm I was kind of in the middle of it. I'm not from here, but I've been here a long time and I'm pretty tight with the the you know, the land people, the people from here. I'll mm -hmm. call them the land people. I don't know what to call them. What is the thing when you if you're not from uh, the the sea, the ocean people. You lived in Did you live in Halifax? No, I didn't live in Halifax. My uh Kathy is from Dartmouth. So I've spent time there, but I not not that much time. Not enough to know the uh land and sea slang. Land lubbers? Yeah, landlubbers. Uh, <laughs> although I don't know if that applies in Guelph. No, it doesn't. But I, I, there was this kind of divide between people coming into town and people. Anyway, I was in the middle because I, I would come to your shows yeah. and I liked them and I would try to support Burnt Oak as much as I could doing whatever I was doing. But yeah, it was kind of funny. And we did a whole week of back-to-back -back, like versus shows. So we'd have all the bands mixed on a bill for like a festival basically yeah. for a week. Or it was like three or four days, but it was... There was a breakdancing competition at one point, I believe, or yeah, something. Yeah, it got pretty real. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because Guelph, I don't think often uh, Guelph gets uh, any renown for having a sense of humor about itself. It's kind of <laughs> viewed, I think, as this very serious city. But this rivalry was really fun. And there was no, nobody broke character in it. That was the best part about it. Oh, so it was a fake rivalry. No, it wasn't. That's the thing. This was oh. all, but, but once we kind of, you know, realized that Evan was serious about it, but also not <laughs> serious about it at the same time. <laughs> it was pretty ridiculous. And it, it's, it's a nice sort of memory for me of like the spirit of this community. Now, so uh, eight years ago, some, so yeah, what, what year is it? It's 2014, 2006. Yeah, that makes sense. So eight years ago, when did Bert Oak end, actually? 
Uh, Burnout wrapped up around 2009. Oh, it kept there. going. Yeah, it kept going for a bit. I mean, but it was about a four-year run for that project until it was time to just kind of wrap it up. People were moving, and it didn't feel right to continue it without those people there. So. Are there people that were part of your catalog, if as it were, that uh, people would know now? Do they go on to do stuff that people would know? Um, yeah, I guess... I guess some of them people might know. Um, Carl Skeen, um, who used to play in Tin, um, he still plays under his name Carl Skeen, making more like electronic-based uh, sample kind of stuff music. Um, he also does. He also plays in uh, Diamond Rings Touring Band, um, and he's played in a bunch of other projects over the years. Um, Kit Wilson Yang um, used to be Chris Yang, plays some folk music sometimes. I haven't seen him play in a few years, but yeah, I have not um, either. I'd kind yeah, of forgotten about the Yang. Yeah, there's yep, still playing. So. <laughs> Yeah. Where yeah. is Ke- uh, Montreal or something? I think Toronto now. Toronto, okay. Yeah. Richard yeah. Laviolette. Rich, yeah, Richard's, Richard's still playing. So, yeah. I mean, there yeah, there are, I mean, start trying to think of everyone. I Motem? Mean, Elliot, Motem. Yeah, Motem. Elliot's still playing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot going on. Elliot plays in, uh, what are they called right now? I can't think of the name. <laughs> I can't think of the name right now either. <laughs> I feel bad. Do you know uh, that? I know the band. Oh, oh El- I can't no, think El- of them. Gore. El- 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 yeah. Gore. Sorry. Why, we, why did we all blank on that? Does yeah, that I don't know why. <laughs> I've seen LV Gore. I like them. Yeah. They're good. They're I don't good. know what they're doing right now, though. Oh, it might be I done? haven't seen them play in, or heard, heard of them playing in a year. So They played a long winter. Oh, did they? Not too long ago in okay. Toronto. Yeah. yeah. It's a good band. They are a good yeah, band. There's yeah. lots of good bands that come out of the city. So you start Kazoo. Um, and that becomes, how soon does that become a, a going concern, a full-time thing? You know, you start to put on a couple of shows. When does it really feel like a series? Do you remember? Well, we started with the intention of it being a series. Like that, that was planned out. That was before we started. Like we took models like Wavelength and with the numbered shows with the kind of attention to how we presented things and curated them. So it was planned right from the start that this was, it was initially supposed to be every two weeks. Huh. Um, and then it became, you know, well, but we continued with every two weeks for quite a while. Um, it just became more feasible sometimes to drop that down, like during the summer or do different things. But um, when we planned it out, it was it was um, Chris Yang, um, um, John O'Regan, Diamond Rings, John O, and myself who kind of started it. And shortly after that changed, those guys kind of moved on to other things and yeah. other people moved in. And that's been kind of the nature of Kazoo over the years is that there's people who move in, help for a while, and then move on. And that kind of speaks to Guelph as a sort of transitional space where people are here for a it's bit. A transit and then city. It's a student town. It, it yeah. really is. And it's not necessarily just related just to being a student. Some people just tend to do a stint here and then they're on to somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. So. Hey, Mike, do you mind if I have dinner? Uh, <laughs> no. I just, I know we're at your table here and you know, it's really unsquatty and I don't want to muss it up, but I, I'm a bit hungry. Yeah. We, we even eat at this table. It's, it seems like a dining room table. Yeah, yeah, it is. Exactly. So I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to be totally paying attention to, to the answer. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm going to be positioning myself to enjoy a delicious dinner that I made with my wife before I rushed over here. Fair enough. Okay. So my question is, <laughs> uh, did you do? Because uh, you're you're a new you're probably among the newest members of the Kazoo crew. Uh, did you do a lot of concert organization in your day, or was this something that just felt right at this point in your life? And now I will make dinner. I mean, eat dinner. You want, do you want me to hold the microphone yeah, yeah, too? Okay. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I did concerts like when I was growing up as a teenager. Um, in Brampton and Caledon and Alton. So we did, uh, I mean, probably did our first one when we were 14 in a place called Bolton. Um, 
you know. I know Bolton. I used to have a car rental job, and the car rental place was based in Guelph, but I'd always have to drive cars back, like swap cars, so I could spend a day. How long is how far a drive is it to Bolton from here? Uh, I'd say an hour. Yeah, I don't know. It was amazing. I'd go to Orangeville and Bolton and <laughs> Arthur and Mount Forest. It was great. It's a great community. Like there's great little communities you can drive. Yeah, I don't know if I don't. I'm not a big fan of Bolton anymore. I don't know if I ever was really. It was kind of like the the bad part of Caledon, but it's still part of Caledon. So we rented. I think it was called the Poultry Palace when we were 14. <laughs> And it was uh, like our parents helped us put on this show because we were going to like, you know, like getting them to drive us to Brampton and that kind of thing or to go see like Maryland's Vitamins and the Tire Kickers and bands like that. I don't know if you know those groups, like kind of pop punk bands around that time. So we were like, oh, we can do this. So we set one up. I think it was, I don't know if it was November 96, but it was very early and we're very young and it was in this huge warehouse and it was Maryland's Vitamins and I think Perfectly Normal, which is like Kenny who did Monine after that. And I don't know if the Tire Kickers and PMS and maybe the Stiffs and all those like kind of Toronto bands at the time. So we would do those kind of intermittently throughout. More just like if there was a band we liked, like maybe one a year throughout my teenage years. And I remember even when I was 18 or so, we set up a Constantine show in Brampton at the church. And we had played with the Constantines in somebody's basement in Kitchener. And we're like, oh, this is the best band ever. We got to set up a show. And it was like, you know, a seven band bill at a church. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget who else played. I think Zion, which is Chris from New Day Rising. I don't know if you know that band or remember that band. Chris uh, Callahan? No, it was Chris Gray. Oh, (laughs) Um, so I did shows like that, not like seriously, but did them every once in a while. And then once I moved to Edmonton, I moved to Montreal and I tried to set up one show and then it kind of got taken over by blue skies turned black, which was good because nobody showed up to the show. It was Kyle from Rainer Maria. And I was like, I can do shows. I'm in a city. Let, why don't I do this one? And they were like, can we help? And I said, yeah. And they were like, can we just do it? And I said, yeah. And then like maybe three people showed up at Salarosa on like a Saturday. And I was like, remember talking to Kyle from Rainer Maria and he's like, Oh, I bet you're glad you didn't set up this show. He's like, now you'd have to pay this asshole $300. (laughs) And so I didn't do anything in Montreal. And then when I moved to Edmonton, it was kind of the same thing where it was like, if there was a band coming to town who uh, wanted a show and nobody was out, nobody else was doing it. Or I felt like I was the only person that could do it. I would do it. So I did like, you know, maybe like one or two a year there. And with like Aaron from weird Canada, we'd set up shows there and then when I moved to Guelph, I didn't really, I think I set up a couple of shows before I joined Brad, but I didn't really have any intention of doing it. It's just more like when you have friends who are like, I can't get a show in Guelph. You're like, oh, well, I can get this venue and I get somebody to make. I blindsided you with it, though. I was like, you got to be, you got to be a part of Kazoo. And you were like, oh, I, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you two meet? Uh, I saw Mike at um, just a few shows and we... I th- I don't know, we chatted at a few shows and then... Yeah, I think that was it. And I remember, I think the first time I met you, maybe you were meeting with Aaron and Marie from Weird Canada. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, this is Brad. He does Kazoo. And I was like, oh, I've heard of Kazoo. Because when I first moved here, the first show I went to was the um, U.S. Girls, Legato Vipers, uh, Slim Twig show, was, and the Furies. good show, yeah. Yeah, and like, I remember my friend Todd and I, who moved here at the same time, we both went to that show and we're like what is going on? Like, this is amazing. And it's full. And like the sound was so good. And we're like, wow, 
we moved to a great place. Look at the shows that are happening. And then I met Brad maybe like two months after that. Now, first of all, does anyone want to know how my dinner is? No one's asked. It's kind of <laughs> oh, how is it? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. We made a homemade macaroni and cheese with some pesto beans and some broccoli. Uh, and is it rude to ask somebody how their dinner is? Is it or, I mean, rude to ignore them and not ask them how their dinner is? Who's to say what is rude in this day and age? <laughs> would, would, are you guys hungry? Would you like some? Just to up the politeness ante a little bit? <laughs> uh, is it impolite to say, no, I'd like you to enjoy that? Or is that like an insult to not uh, partake in your dinner? Just making the interaction as awkward as possible is the rude part. I'm offering if you're hungry. Did you eat dinner? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, Thanks. what about you? I'm also good. My partner, Kath, is bringing home some food for me. What are you getting? Uh, I think she's bringing home burritos. From? You know where. Salsateria? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's nice. a good, is that place still good? The What's it called? On Willow? Uh, it's called Senor Chipotle. I don't think they're open anymore. I think they shut down yeah. and came back. They, oh, they did? Yeah, they I shut down for renovations. I saw they were coming back. And then I was like, oh, no. When was this that you saw the sign? The, uh, it was about six months ago, maybe Ooh. Yeah. more. No, I think they're back. I, I went to their Facebook oh. page when someone mentioned it to me. I went like a, two months ago and they said, yeah, sorry we were gone, but now we're back. But I have not oh, been up there. I with some of that. Senor Chipotle is good. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. Yeah, I went, they have a Mexican buffet. Unheard of. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Shouldn't just be plugging this restaurant. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can get some kind of uh, sponsorship. Uh, it's been known to happen. It's been known to happen. Now, we can't talk about any takeout except Trocadero. Pizza Trocadero <laughs> is my guy. Uh, Phil, he's great. Uh, you both, if I'm not mistaken, you both have come to uh, event organization having been musicians yourselves, right? Having played in bands. Yep. Is, is that true for you too? Yep. So... Can you talk about that? That's an interesting space uh, of, of getting into a realm. I'm sure when you started playing your first instrument, you're not, you didn't think, someday I'm going to set up shows. But it kind of evolves into that somehow. Can you talk about that, why, that might have, why that transition might have occurred and, and whether or not you're still active playing now? Um, well, I, I think the first thing for me is it made me think about um, how how mine and my friends' bands would want to be treated by somebody else where we're, when we're playing other cities. So you start thinking about things from a different perspective. You be, it be, automatically is artist-oriented. It's just by default that everything evolves around that. And I think that's that's something for me. Like, like I, I started playing music when I was a teenager and right through I've always played in a, you know, projects with other people and that kind of thing. And it's, uh, you know, it, it made me think about a lot about how we approach kazoo was that it was always artist oriented, but there's some interesting dilemmas that you face when you do that is that you want to make an accessible show series. So you make it pay what you can or $5 pay what you can, but then it doesn't actually become viable for touring bands. So it's always about walking this kind of balance between, you know, making sure it's great for the artist and making sure it's 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 great for the artist on all facets, but also accessible to an audience. And it's something that it just always made me think about it. And some of the projects that I've been involved with where we went outside of a traditional um, DIY venue or punk shows or anything like that, um, doing more multimedia oriented projects and stuff like that really made me think about how you organize things on a bigger scale sometimes while still remaining, you know, accessible to people. Um, so doing, doing, you know, larger alternative spaces, which is its own set of challenges to make it sound and look good and, you know, for everybody to be comfortable and that kind of thing. So, yeah. And I mean, 
Yeah, like from getting into it as a teenager where it was like, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I really want to set up this show. It was more just like, we can do this and we'll have fun. Like it was more like, you want to do it because otherwise maybe you're not going to see that show in the country, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was a big part of it. And that's kind of like, I think until I joined Kazoo, that was always kind of my thing. It wasn't like I love setting up shows, like setting up shows by yourself, it kind of sucks and it's stressful and you worry about it. And it's not like anybody, like you pay the bands, everything. It's not like you're like, well, I'm going to make this huge payday. And that's the reason it's just like, I'm going to get to see a band I really want to see. And I'm going to get to see half of them because I'm going to be running around trying, like working everything out. And all day I'm going to be like nervous and kind of sick, hoping that people show up to this show. So it's like when you're doing it alone, it's not something I really like. It's really just something that would be, you know, if, more like to do a favor for some friends or like, well, I really want to see this band and want to make sure that they're going to have the show they should have in the city rather than like if you pass them on or something and then they're like, Oh, you know, Edmonton sucks because I had this bad show. But if you're like, if you're there to make sure everything's good, that means like kind of they will tell people it's good and more bands will come through. And it's more to like, I don't know, give everybody a better experience and want to come back to the city that you live to make it better. There's been a couple of mentions uh, of DIY. You're clearly talking about enriching the community that you're in and also for the community, the network that you've established or you're part of. Can you talk about the burden of responsibility there? Like the idea of, I guess, where this was instilled within you? Like, because you're both talking about punk. And I've been talking a lot about punk on this podcast lately and what it might mean. But you're both essentially, I think, coming at it from the idealistic version of punk where you're you're trying to enhance both a community where your immediate surroundings are but it's about a network of of treating people outside of that community as as though they're welcome and in a sense they become part of your extended community can you talk about where you first interacted with that notion of like yeah that's how you people should behave like thinking on a like a larger scale than my immediate surroundings well, yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been... Heavy dinner time conversation. It's, it's heavy. It's getting heavy in here. Um, no, I mean, I've always been, like, I, it's strange because I, I almost came into loving, like, post-punk more than traditional punk. But for me, like, things like, bands like Fugazi were a huge influence on me. And uh, the whole ethos that comes around how that band uh, manages on affairs and, and also built community around it. Um, something that I was always kind of really inspired by. Um, and I think it's also one of those things where you kind of want to build something that's different than everything related to the music industry as much as possible. There's this just absolute disdain that I've consistently had for the way music operates on a more commercially large scale. And, you know, with, with ventures like putting on shows, doing, doing DIY labels, doing all these things is building your own structures for those things. So you and your friends can do great stuff without having to interact with the venue owner downtown who's screwing you over and only cares about beer sales or any other number of, of other factors that are not about the community that you're looking to build or the vision that you're looking to have with that, you know? And yeah, I think, I don't know if it's, I mean, part of it, I think is almost like a selfish reason to build community where it's like, I want to see these bands and I want them to have a good time and I want them to tell other people to come so that I can see these other bands. (laughs) So part of it is that, and I think part of it is just like, 
I don't know if it just gets ingrained within you while you're, when you're doing those things growing up that it's like, it, I mean, it's not that hard to do. And if you know how to do it, you can make something really good. And there's these bands that you really respect or, you know, a scene that you really respect and you want everybody to have like a good and safe time. And you kind of, I don't know, it just kind of gets ingrained within you where you're like, oh, well, this is how you do it. And this is like, just, you know, when you can go to a band and be like, oh, we got you this much money on a $5 door. And they're so appreciative because being in a band is really hard, especially touring in Canada. It's like, it's kind of, it's terrible in some ways, I think, unless you're of a certain level. So it's like to help those bands. And that's a big thing since I moved to Guelph is just being like, when you guys come to Ontario, don't just go to Toronto. You can come to Guelph. We can help you out, get a show in Hamilton. We can help you out, get a show in London. And you're going to keep going as a band for longer than you might if you just like played Winnipeg and then Toronto and then Montreal and then Halifax. And then you end up losing $1,000 on your tour or something. You both alluded to the idea of treating bands respectfully and that that seems to emanate from your own experiences playing in bands. We never really got to this. What are your bands? What bands have you played in? What bands are you playing in? Can you talk a little bit about what got you into music and and, and where we're at now? Like why you're at this point? Because I think that's all going to inform why we're doing, why there's been eight years of this particular venture for, for Brad and I don't know what you're doing. You're just buying up punk squats and taking over this city. <laughs> Yeah, so I started playing in like bands uh, when I was in grade six or seven, and it was just like, you know, got really into, I guess grade seven would have been like Rancid and that kind of thing, and then grade eight was more No Effects, and then getting into like the Ramones and the Clash and that kind of stuff, so it was just, uh, you know, I guess it's like a classic kind of, oh, I can do this, you know, thing where you you start doing that and then going through high school playing in this band that was never serious. Like, I think we recorded one like pop punk demo that was like 18 songs long in when we were in grade nine and never recorded anything ever again. What was the name of the band? The band was called Martini. Did you name the band? Uh, I don't know where it came from. It was named after like the Danny DeVito character in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's also named after a drink. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. No, but like at the time we were just, for some reason, we were all crazy about this, this movie when we were, yeah, I guess like, you know, 13 or 14, you see it for the first time and it kind of changes everything. And we loved the goofiness of Danny DeVito. And I think we we're kind of like a goofy band as well. Um, and so it was just like a fun thing, you know, to have fun with your friends. And we didn't stop till we're like. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 18 or 19, and had like, you know, 
shows like opening for Gob or the Weaker Thans. Sorry, how many years is that? Grade six to eighteen or nineteen? What is that? How many? Uh, uh seven. That's a pretty good that's, run. That's pretty wow. amazing. Wow. <laughs> and we succeeded uh, to do it for that long without recording or selling anything <laughs> the entire time. And what did you play in that band? I played guitar. Did you sing? No, I didn't sing. Okay. That's interesting. So that was your first. That's And so grade six, you're what? Uh, what are you, like 11? Yeah. 11 years old. That's amazing. And were you good? Uh, probably not for the first, <laughs> you know, couple of years. I mean, I think it was good if I saw it. 12 year olds playing, you know, like a, cause I know when we first started, we did a cover, like a green day cover, a Neil Young cover and something else. And I think if I saw that now, I'd be like, Whoa, this is crazy. What are these kids listening to? But at the time it was just kind of like, it just seemed very natural. And now the older I get, when I see somebody who's like 25 do like a Neil Young cover, I'm like, where did this guy, get, you know, how did he think to cover a Neil Young song? <laughs> But if I saw a twelve-year-old, my mind would probably be blown. It is pretty. It's that sounds amazing. I'm, I wish. So sorry, you did make a recording. You did make a recording. What did you just say? That you said you did something about an eighteen-song demo. Is that right? Yeah, we've got an eighteen-song demo. I think I probably have it digitally somewhere. I can send it to you if you want to hear like the worst four-track recording. I mean, I'm very proud of it because it was a very exciting <laughs> thing to do. But like. It's one of those things where you're like, do I show this to somebody? Or are they just going to have to be like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. I want to hear Martini. I'm just saying it sounds <laughs> it sounds good. I, I want to hear it. Uh, Brad, same question. What about you? Well, we didn't talk about Mike's current Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. What's your Who are also band? playing the Kazoo 8th anniversary. Yeah. So then I did a band called he Jaguar Strip. Yeah, I booked <laughs> my own band. Called Jaguar Strip with some friends uh, when I was a little older, like in university. It was like a summer fun band. And then I moved to Edmonton and did a band called Dropping Out with my brother Phil and our friend Anders. And then I moved to Guelph and uh, my friend Ryan, who was a singer in Martini, so I've known him for years and years. He, he and I just started jamming in his parents' basement in Alton. And then we're like, oh, this is good. And then our friend Todd, who we've known, like I've known him even longer, we're like, do you want to finally play bass in something? And he was like, like he would take off Friday afternoons to come have practice with us. And then, so then we started Start Something, um, and then I played, I don't know, maybe like five shows in total, but it's like a great, you know, more, we love playing it, and it's great that people like it, but it's also just like great to hang out with friends all the time. And it's also one of those things, setting up shows, if you play a show, and it's full, and some guy's like, I can give you 50 bucks, you're like, what is this? Why didn't I set up this show myself? Like, what are you trying to do? To Brad. (laughs) Well, uh, my my kind of history with bands being in bands is kind of an interesting one because um, when I went to I went to high school in Ancaster and uh, I never even considered playing in a band until that in that point. And in fact, I played in bands for years before I actually knew how to even play a single note. Um, I, I had a bunch of friends bands who were kind of like washy, noisy, kind of weird bands. And I just they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, just just make just you know hit random notes and turn a delay knob and i kind of did stupid crazy stuff like that on my friends bands for years and then eventually started actually playing um learning how to play an instrument um and then when i moved to guelph i played in a band um called cake bomb bolivia um which is like a I don't know, post-punk rock band. Um, we never actually recorded. Oh, no, we did record some stuff. We never released it. Um, and that was that lasted a few years. And then uh, I played in a band called Elbow Beach Surf Club, which we put out on Burn Oak. Uh, it's kind of a 
post pop punk. I don't know. I didn't even call it pop punk, but it was a rock band. It was a really cool band. It kind yeah. Of, sometimes it sounded like Sonic Youth, and sometimes it sounded like I don't know a surf band, maybe of yeah. some kind. Yeah. yeah. It was it really was, good. It was. It was a fun. It was that was actually a really really fun band to be in, and it was something that I was. I really enjoyed working with a lot of people in that band. So it was. It was great. It was a great time. And that band was around for I don't know maybe three or four years, and then after that, I kind of decided they didn't want to play in a rock band ever again at the at the moment. Just not as an experience. Just I wanted to try something different, and we kind of started doing this multimedia project called Le Seek, which kind of lasted about three or four years of intense kind of. Um, working around this multimedia, like it was a graphic novel that was performed with music and it was like an hour song cycle. And then we did some other project and un projects under the name Polydactyl Hearts Collective, which was um, experimental media, so projections um, and live music and computer integration and stuff like that. It was it, For me, it was an important thing to do branch out into something more experimental. Um, for me at the time, I was just really excited about the routine seemed really dry to me at that point. I was just, you know, we toured enough just, just doing like Southern Ontario and Quebec loops with, with Elbow Beach. And I was just, you know, wanted to try something totally different and to push on those boundaries, be like, you know, we had to only play artist run centers. We couldn't play bars. Like it was only artist run centers. We could play small theaters and it was just almost like a new challenge. It reinvigorated my love for what I was doing as a musician and, and as a performer. And, and it also helped me stay sane doing kazoo. I feel like <laughs> you had another outlet. So you, is that the last sort of public music you've made? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a bit. What do you miss? I it? should, I should start a band. Do, do you miss it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Uh, well, yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like I have been, I do play still, but I just, I haven't started a band that I play anywhere with. I also want to start a band. Uh Oh, oh. trouble. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So, and, and for you, uh, you started start something after how many years of not playing? I think maybe just two. Like I played in Edmonton uh, with dropping out and then I tried to teach myself how to play drums and I played in a band called Jazz with <laughs> with my friend Aaron and, uh, and I guess we had a couple of bass players. So we played some shows as well, but I was just <clears throat> trying to play drums uh, while Aaron sung and played guitar. So yeah, it was probably like th kind of three years between that, like actually writing songs and doing that kind of thing. Okay. So, uh, the, I mean, it's good that you, it's good that you came to the city and you felt full, like, uh, welcome to express yourself that way. And, and you met, although it sounds like you linked, what, what's the deal with uh, Todd? How do you know Todd? You said he's from here. You bounced around a lot and your other friend is from your old band, mm -hmm. Ryan. Yeah, He's from Martini. So how do you know Todd? I know Todd from nursery school. So Todd grew up in a, a town called Alton, which is just over from Caledon Village. And so Todd and I went to the same nursery school when we were four or so. But I've known him. Yeah, I've known him like basically my whole life. So you need like a minimum 20 year familiarity <laughs> yeah. before you'll join a band with someone. Is that how it goes? Yeah, that's basically it. None of those Edmonton bands. Well, I had my brother, so I've known him for a very long time, obviously. Um so that band, yeah, and then jazz with Aaron, it was kind of like, hey, man, I've only known you for a couple of years. Can't do this anymore. Would we know Aaron? Uh, Levin? Yeah, you know Aaron probably from Weird Canada. That was, He was in your band as well. You worked on Weird Canada stuff. And he, what did he play? What does he play? Does he play? He plays the guitar and he was singing in this band. But Aaron like, has a, something wrong with his arm when he was born. I'm sure he will love for me to talk about this. 
where he can't fully rotate it. He can only rotate it to here. And he like for the, for those listening, uh, he can only rotate it like 90 degrees and he can't do the full 180. So Aaron plays guitar like this and kind of hangs his guitar by like a rope around his shoulder. Um, so he's a great, he's a great songwriter. When we were doing it, he makes very interesting stuff, but he just looks like nobody you've ever seen while he's up there. Huh. It looks like a, the way you just described it and, and showed it to uh, Brad and I, it looked like a handshake injury that he might have suffered. <laughs> yeah. He was networking too hard. <laughs> All right. Well, so it's eight <clears throat> years of this thing, uh, Brad. Um, what do you, I mean, a lot has ha- happened in this time. Uh, particularly in terms of the music industry and how people relate to music. Obviously, I'm talking. About, you can talk about everything, digitization, um, maybe how live music is even valued. And seemingly, we're in a strong place. Like, I know that for a while, you and I would have discussions about this city and the saturation of live music because we are lousy with shows in this in this city. It's amazing on some level, but on another, you're you're exhausting a very small group of people. Um, how do you feel like the general health of Guelph is? And, and maybe if you can talk about how that might be emblematic of, well, I don't know if you can speak to this, but I just wonder how the live music uh, situation is in Southern Ontario. I mean, I go to Toronto and some shows are eh, hit or miss. Well, how do you feel things are going in Guelph? Well, I think Guelph's always been a, a city with a lot of ups and downs. And I think anybody who's been here for a period of time you know kind of seen that i mean we've talked about that specifically quite a bit um you get a scene it happens and then as it's a transition city everybody leaves again and the same happens with audiences like it's been you know up and down up and down constantly and there's no pattern for it it's just sometimes a bunch of people get together and they they build a community rather than just do what they're doing and that community can also just be people who go to shows and enjoy going to shows so I, it's hard to say if there's if there's ever been a real like there've been you know segments of it where it didn't seem good but I think it's better than ever. I think I think people are actually value live music as a way to you know kind of come together and be social and kind of um you know cuz increasingly like people isolating themselves and enjoying music doesn't it, it doesn't bring us together in the same way when you're when you're together in a room listening to music it's a completely different experience and anything happens anything can happen and that's that's kind of that's kind of what's always drawn my love for for seeing bands is, is you know anything can happen but on a record it's already there whereas when i'm seeing a band live it could fall apart at any second and when it does feel like that it's the best thing in the world you know so this so this it's the it's the eighth anniversary of the concert like promotions enterprise how many kazoo fests have there been the so this past year was the seventh seven so we're one year behind we just skipped 2009 because we were i was basically we moved it from a fall thing to a spring thing and then i was doing i was basically touring that whole fall and winter with polydactyl hearts collective and it just wasn't wasn't feasible at the time so we missed one year in there basically but this past year and mike this was this your first kazoo fest as a yep yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) uh so this uh, from what i could tell this past one, 2014, uh, which was, it was in April, most, gotta be the most successful one in some ways. Can you, quant- yeah, it was the best attended by far. Best attended. I mean, it just, I, I, I'd like to say it was years of us just building towards that, but I think also it's just, this is a city that supports, that supports its arts, that supports its bands, that, that really wants to come out to things. And it's easier to get people to come out for a festival because there's all this stuff happening, there's hype around it. And we, the goal with the series was always to get to a point where people were going to, 
just see a kazoo show because it was a kazoo show and they trust our programming even though they didn't recognize the bands and i think with the festival there's a bit of that starting to really happen and i like to believe that it happens more with a regular show series but um the festival this year i feel like it was just every it was every venue was packed and it was yeah it, it was, was amazing it, i was uh, i was blown away by it actually i didn't expect it i didn't you know for what it's worth and i said this three thousand times it would seem like to have elevated to like world class like just like i've been to festivals all around this country all around this world in some ways in some ways i usually <laughs> took an airplane and and I, I really it just seemed like top top notch top oh, tier i'm glad it looked that way <laughs> did it was it feel shaky no, no, no. But it, it's always in an undertaking where you're using, you know, how I think it was five venues at the same time on Saturday night. And, you know, we're all volunteers. It, it always feels a little shaky. Yeah, yeah it's uh, I've never done anything like that. And I know um, like Dave Lander, who's also involved, has, has done uh, Lanya Vanya. So he and Brad are kind of like seasoned pros with it. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And I think... I did okay, and then maybe Saturday afternoon, I was so tired and had to do something that was stressful, like organize the food for all the bands at Van Gogh's, and I was like, oh my God, like my body just was did not have enough energy to deal with this, and I was like, why did I do this to myself? And then I think about you know an hour later, you're like, oh yeah, this is one of the great things that I've done, because there's so many people, and everybody's like downtown Guelph, everybody's having such a good time, and then... Once it's over, you're like, whoa, you know, it happened and we did it. And like, you actually made the community better. Like just to see everybody around and actually having a good time. You're like, yeah, next year I can work even harder. That's a nice counterpoint to your earlier comment about it all being for selfish reasons. Well, yeah. the selfish reasons, I, 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 I agree with that though. <laughs> There's times where I'm like, I don't want to go to Toronto to see that band. I want to bring them to Guelph. <laughs> I agree. <That's- laughs> it's nice. It's nice to just walk home after a show. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think when you set up a single show, you can see other people having fun uh, and you're having less fun than if if you hadn't (laughs) set up the show. But I think for a whole festival where people are coming in and you see the same faces over and over, it's like a different kind of enjoyment or like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of a different way of looking at things and you appreciate something different rather than like, wow, cool, that band was good. You're like, whoa, I think we actually like had a some kind of strong impact on a number of people's lives for that weekend where those people, you know, got out and did things and met other people and just leaves leads to like a stronger music community in general. Yeah. yeah. This was the year actually, I think that it felt more like a festival, like as a whole. And I think that's part, part Dave Lander's influence on, um, on kind of helping bring everything together. Cause he came from Lanyu, like Lanyu Vanya, the festival in St. John's, um, you know, it's isol- It's geographically isolated, whereas Guelph is, is very, you know, very close to Toronto, Pretty very accessible. close to Hamilton. Yeah. Exactly. But that also has its downside in terms of people coming for one night, checking something out and moving on. And I think that this year, Dave really tried to encourage like to treat it more like it's not five days of shows. It's really just like, this is a festival. And and I think we started to see more kind of people crossing over between shows. You see somebody on one night, you see them the next night, you see them the next night yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah. And, it, and that's great. That's something that, you know, we've always been aiming for. And I think it finally started to happen a little bit more this year. So I, uh, since I started this show, this creative control show, I sometimes get letters or letters. I haven't gotten any snail mail. I, I, got, <laughs> I, I did get one piece of snail mail and it was very nice. But I mostly get emails from people who are from other parts of this uh, world, and they want to know about Guelph because I'm always talking about Guelph. Um, 
you could have a great perspective on this because you've lived here a long time, but you're new-ish. Can you, on the spot, tell me one thing that you love about Guelph and one thing that you don't love about Guelph? Is there, are there things you can think of off the top of your head? Uh, something I love about Guelph is that there's a lot of people um, that are over, like, I don't know much about the university, but people that are out of university that have stayed around and have continued to do very interesting things and like to support the community and still are into like being, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, creative and creating projects and uh, that kind of thing to uh, help benefit Guelph and make it more of an art center. thing I don't like about Guelph is it's, I don't, it's kind of like there's some part of Guelph that can be a little bit boring, I think. And I think that's mostly just because it's like an older, I mean, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just sometimes when you're like, you go to a city and you're like, oh yeah, Guelph has lots of like grain fed organic beef meals. White people? Are there too many, are there too many white people here? Uh, well, that's what I was coming to. <laughs> Guelph is a very white town and it can seem kind of homogenous sometimes especially in like the arts that get supported on a bigger level can seem very um yeah just like tailored to a group that probably doesn't need any more tailoring to is that good grammar no but i do also <laughs> wonder can you are, are there particular organizations are there particular events that happen where you're just like this isn't for me um yeah i think a lot of arts that like in Guelph are not for me and they're not supposed to be for me and that's fine. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, or at least that I don't really want to talk about on this show, but there is definitely, cause there's tons going on in Guelph. Like I realized that last week when I was putting up posters for this event where I was like, there's no space on any boards, every show or everything is happening. None of these have expired. They're all like deserve as much space as ours because you know, you, like everything's has, has equal value. And you're just like, I don't want to go to any of these things. Who, who are these things for? But, and why are their posters so big? They take up a lot of room. Yeah, they do, which is fine. Like I'm all for supporting things that I don't necessarily want to go to. Well, in the summer, right? Guelph. Yeah. Saturation of shows. I mean, there's not a lot of people and that's, I think maybe the thing I love and hate about this city at times throughout. I love the summer. I love it being a relaxed. It feels like a small town in the summer. And that's, that's the best with, with as a small town with a big city kind of um, perspective and a big, a big, what would feel like a bigger city arts scene here basically um and then you know also not loving in a way like it being it feels like a small town from time to time when you live here for a certain period of time um that can be good and that can be bad um that's fair so i feel like i love and hate something at the same time which is you know the one thing i actually hate about guelph like the other thing is fine it just can can kind of be like maybe a a little bit boring um, but the one thing I actually hate is Mac Donnell Street at two in the morning yeah. with wasted dudes like pissing on the street or yelling at you or trying to fight you. That's probably like the only thing in Guelph that I legitimately like dislike and is not just like a minor annoyance. Yeah, someone we live downtown close to where that pee flood that you were just describing might, you know, trickle down to our place. <laughs> and the trickle. other <laughs> the other night, uh, someone went into our car. 
Michelle, my, my wife uh, accidentally left the car unlocked. She's done it once before, and it happened once before. Actually, she might have done it numerous times, but I know of two incidents <laughs> because someone went in and just rifled through all our stuff and took some stuff. Uh, this time I know I'm always offended. They never take the CDs I have in the car. <laughs> they take everything. That's because nobody wants CDs. I know, Come but on. I mean, there's some good stuff. There's like every Ramones record was in the car. I'm like, you didn't take any of this? <laughs> What's wrong with you? They took my like 407 highway transponder. And on my way here, you probably noticed this. They took my mints. I had mints in the car and now I got stinky breath. <laughs> it's frustrating. They took mints and I think they took some uh, vouchers for The Beat Goes On. You know, I had developed all this credit, giving them CDs that no one cares about and DVDs. And so, yeah, someone's got my credit voucher and <laughs> my transponder. They're probably loading up on seasons of Dexter and then hitting the road fast. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I feel like sometimes the town, it feels different to me. Than, certainly than it did eight years ago. Something has shifted culturally in this city. Absolutely. It also feels a lot bigger than it did even like a year or two ago. And I don't know if that's my perspective on it or it just feels like it's redeveloping, changing really, really quickly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just physically, the, the, you know, the construction downtown. I just, it feels like a different city. For some reason, there's times, and maybe it's just because I'm not going, I'm not out every night the way I used to be at, at shows. Um, sometimes I go to a show and I, I don't, know a lot of the people yeah sometimes at kazoo i don't know a lot of people sometimes that's kinda, good though i i think it's the no that's the best part yeah. that's the best thing it's just it, it that's why it's starting to feel like a bigger city in a way and that's that's a it's a great thing and, and you know it's got its challenges too that was one of the best things for me at kazoo was going to a show and being like i don't know anyone here this is amazing who are all these people they're not just like friends of friends like it's actually <laughs> you know, connected with a wider audience where there's, you know, a room of 200 people and you know 10 of them instead of a room of 60 people and you know 50 of them. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Speaking of strangers and hopefully filling a room, can you guys both talk about the 8th uh, anniversary uh, shows that are coming up? Uh, so there's one on June 5th, which is Thursday, and then one on Friday, June 6th. Uh, full disclosure, I'm playing uh, we're both you and i mike is playing Wait, and his you guys both booked your own bands just just for the record don't edit this out you guys both booked your own bands yeah i'm the only one here who didn't try to book any of okay. my own projects let me just let me just say first of all i did this because our super secret special guest uh is a big fan of shadowy man and the one of them some of them in the in the group are big fans of Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. As it happens, I was just asked recently to play in a Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet tribute band. And I said, what? Who? Why? Who's going to play guitar? Like, that <laughs> that band blows my mind. What I should have said was, who's going to play drums? Because I'm playing <laughs> drums, and Don Pyle is a deceptively powerful man. Like, I, you, you hear, you, yeah. it's not the thing you think of, probably, when you listen to Shadowy Men, but he's a great drummer. And everything's great. Anyway, so we're called From a Shadowy Planet. And yes, we're playing on Friday. And, and you then. both selflessly booked your own bands. Yeah. And then I talked to Vish and I said, hey, can we do a podcast to further promote our bands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm helping. I think selflessly I'm trying to promote Kazoo. Not. It just so happens in this circumstance. Yes, it's weird. But I mean, this is. Well, this is actually probably the first kazoo show I've ever played in eight years because I haven't. Uh, yeah, yeah it might be. Close I've been to in that. other. I've been in other bands. Well, but well, I, I mean, you sat right. in on things, but I don't know if I've. 
What do you mean? It's probably been a while. I mean, you've sat in on other people's sets for, oh. for things here and but there. But I have been. In, uh, the time where I stopped playing in like real bands, there was a point where I was in five bands. I had to practice every day of the week. And then I don't know that any of them. I think Kazoo started just as those bands were subsiding. Anyway, it's not mm-hmm. supposed to be about mm-hmm. me. I just want to know about the shows. Well, that's, I think this is kind of the point, though. It's, it's kind of all a family thing, right? Like, like, these are all the bands that are playing over the weekend have strong connections to the Guelph's DIY scene in many different facets. And some of it's a throwback, and some of it's the newer stuff that's happening in this city. And with our anniversary shows, it kind of feel like it's, you know, try to find a way to balance those two things. Like, we're throwing back to the NoFi Militant days with, with the Salt Lake kids who, you know, are doing a reunion show. And, you know, that's, that's absolutely great. Like, I, it was kind of funny because Jordy just kind of texted me about it like a week after uh, Dave Lander said, you know, it'd be cool if the Salt Lake kids reunited and then didn't say anything to Jordy. And Jordy was like, we'd like to do a reunion show sometime this summer. <laughs> Um, so this is good timing. And then there's other bands that, you know, Kappa Chow were a great, you know, great Sackville band that we really like. And Olive, is that Olive? <laughs> yeah, I got to let her in. Okay, go ahead. Brad. So, and then the Friday, you know, we've got a great lineup of, you know, all local bands that, um, you know, Esther Gray have been a, a really important part of Guelph's music scene in a lot of ways. They're one of the most interesting bands I've ever seen. I love that band. Um, and they're good friends. And Steph does. Steph and Tyson do a lot to help in the work in the arts community here. They help out with Kazoo, and it's, you know, and then maybe that's maybe that's part of it. It is it is a little selfish for you know, I mean, it's not selfish at all. You know, what do you mean? What's well, selfish? it's just the, the whole thing. Like having a having an anniversary party, it should be the people who are closest um, closest to Kazoo or have been involved with Kazoo over the years because it's that kind of a party, and and it's an anniversary to celebrate a scene. Um, so it makes total sense that that bill is the way it is. And I uh, found out who the surprise guest was and very selfishly said, can my band <laughs> play on that show? Because we really want to play with that surprise guest. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very exciting event. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that people will learn about the surprise guest very soon. I mean, it does have something to do with where we're at right now as we've been talking. Uh, I think we can say that. And I don't know if we can reveal much else at this point. But uh, it's going to be special. Yeah, you're yeah. very excited. I am excited. I've never. I've been. I'm extremely excited. Yeah. Are you so, trying to top me on this? No, no. I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm even super more excited. extremely excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I booked my own band to play this thing. It's going to be fun. Well, I wish you the best of luck with this. And uh, if we can go to a song uh, that makes sense for this event, um, can you? Can one of you recommend something? I mean, you've got songs. Your band start something. Yeah, I feel like maybe we've done enough. You could play a start something song. Would you? Can they, Brad? I yeah. Why not? Okay. Why not? Why not? Do you, do you have a request, Brad? I feel like the the other thing is permiss like in terms of permission. If you say I can play one of your songs, that's great. But if we're if you're just like ah, you should play a someone like an Esther Gray song, and they're not here, even though they're alumni of the show, and I played some songs, I think it would make more sense to play something by Start Something. Don't Let's you? Let's do it. Okay, what song? Uh, Hard Times. Is the song? That's a good one. Why? Why hard times? Um, why hard times? Like, why is it called that? Why did you pick that song? Because we only have two uh, good, rec- like, real recordings that are mastered and stuff, and that's I think the other one's more of a hit, but that one's more of a of a I don't a know. It's a more of a burner. personal song and a little more heavy, and I think maybe will resonate with people more. And also, I think it like throws back to more of like 
90s southern ontario kind of like post hardcore and emo and the other songs more of like a straight up kind of punk garage song okay cool let's hear your dog olive is licking the hell out of me because of my (laughs) delicious dinner i just ate um okay well thanks mike brad good luck on on this thing and thanks for being on the show and all the best uh, going forward thanks vish thank you vish What is going on here? What is going on? Oh, hey, Vish. Hey, Bry and Will and Doug and Dallas and Steve of the Constantines. What are you doing on my podcast? Uh, we're just getting ready for the show in Guelph on Friday. The show in Guelph on Friday? What are you talking about? I don't know anything about you guys playing a show in Guelph on Friday. Is that a thing? Yes. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it at Kazoo Fest? Is it like the Kazoo 8th anniversary show? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. At the James Gordon headquarters thing there? Maybe. With, with Esther Gray and that Shadowy Men tribute band and uh, start something? That, that You're doing that? Maybe. Okay. All right. That's that's great. Uh, see you there. See you yeah, there, guys. See you, Okay, bye. Bye. Have a good practice.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.